Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show and welcome. This is a movie podcast where I discuss and review movies new and old. If you're a regular listener, thanks for check, uh, for coming back and listening. If you're a new listener, I appreciate you checking the show out and I hope you enjoy it. On today's episode, I'm going to be reviewing the Oscar-nominated film, The Power of the Dog, uh, written and directed by Jane Campion, so I'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, before we get into that, though, let me do some uh, housekeeping and, and we'll get into the show. Again, this is the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Uh, this is a movie podcast where I discuss and review movies new and old. Again, my name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. You can find this podcast on most podcasting apps, including Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Podbean, and Amazon Music. Uh, if you subscribe on one of those, uh, please feel free to do so so you can get updates when new episodes are uh, ready for uh, you to listen to. The show is also available, a video version of the show is available on the following uh, locations. I have it on the Facebook page. The Facebook page is Let Me Bend Your Ear. The show also has a YouTube channel. Uh, that channel is Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. You can also watch uh, video versions of this podcast on the show's Twitter page. That is at Bend Your Ear Pod. So if you go there, follow me on Twitter there. If you click on my likes columns on my profile page, you'll see the videos uh, for the podcast as well if you prefer video format. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel, then when I go live to record these episodes, you'll get a notification if you want to uh, watch the show live. So again, you can watch it there as well. And I would ask a couple of things. Uh, if you are a regular listener to the show, uh, please, if you uh, listen on a podcasting app, uh, please rate and review. If you can give the show five stars, I'd appreciate that. Uh, the more ratings and reviews a podcast gets, the higher in search results the show will uh, show up in if uh, people are searching for a new movie podcast to listen to. The other thing I would ask, if you don't mind, especially on Twitter, if you see one of my posts regarding a new show or a previous episode, uh, please uh, share those episodes if you can retweet them and like them. Uh, the biggest tool for an independent podcaster like myself to grow a show is really through word of mouth. So if you can uh, help with that, I really appreciate it, especially if you're a fan of the show. I would appreciate it if you do that. So those are the two things. If you could, I uh, would appreciate that. And also, if you don't mind, like the Facebook page again, let me bend your ear on Facebook. And then if you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is let me bend your ear podcast, uh, you can follow me on social media. The show Twitter is at bend your ear pod. Uh, bend your ear pod is also the handle for Instagram. Uh, I have a Twitch account as well. The show does broadcast live there. It's not archived, uh, but if you happen to be on Twitch, it's also Bend Your Ear Pod. If I pop on while you happen to be on Twitch, you can see the show when I do the live episodes. All right. Before I get into the review of Power of the Dog, I wanted to take a few minutes uh, to talk about director Ivan Reitman. So he passed away a couple of days ago. I was sad to hear that. And if you are a film fan, but maybe don't know who Ivan Reitman is. Uh, I doubt most anybody that listens to this podcast probably does. But for those who don't, Ivan Reitman was the highly successful uh, producer, director of comedies. And uh, he started uh, in the 70s, in the early 70s. Uh, he worked, I think, for National Lampoon. He started his career, or early in his career, as a producer. He actually produced uh, Animal House, of course, the classic College comedy starring John Belushi, Tim Matheson, uh, Kevin Bacon, Stephen First. So, of course, that was directed by John Landis. So that that comedy was a huge hit 
that Ivan Reitman produced. And from producing, he moved on into directing. And I remember as a, as a young, as a young kid, probably, uh, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12, I saw both of the Reitman films that he directed at that time. He directed Meatballs starring Bill Murray, which was a basically a summer camp comedy. Uh, and then uh, Stripes, which was a military comedy, both of which probably I was too young probably to watch because it's definitely inappropriate humor for the for my age. But I loved it. I love Stripes especially. I liked Meatballs, but I really love Stripes that had Bill Murray, uh, Harold Ramis, John Candy, uh, Warren Oates, uh, great cast in that film. And uh, hilarious. And then, of course, uh, he moved on after Stripes. Most people know him for the 1984 film Ghostbusters. So obviously that film was a huge success and a, and a box office hit. And I've listened to podcasts and I've uh, read about Ghostbusters. So a couple of things I wanted to bring up on this show, some interesting tidbits about Ghostbusters. So if you know anything about the behind the scenes of Ghostbusters or the creative process of Ghostbusters, the script, the story for Ghostbusters was uh, originated by Dan Aykroyd, of course, of Saturday Night Live fame. And he had written the screenplay, the original screenplay for Ghostbusters to originally star himself and his best friend, John Belushi. So, of course, they were both on Saturday Night Live. And then, of course, they both teamed up in the blues brothers film which was a film version of the characters they played on saturday night live so he had written the screenplay for ghostbusters now this was something i found out about dan Aykroyd after actually a few years after ghostbusters had come out become a hit there was a syndicated program that uh he produced and and hosted regarding the paranormal and then in finding out more about dan Aykroyd's life people most you know obviously they know him from saturday night live and, and his comedy acting career but his family, going back, his dad and his granddad were very much into the supernatural, the paranormal, unexplained phenomena, things like that. Like he, it's this is something in Dan Aykroyd's life that was a was a passion, probably equaling his passion for comedy and being creative. He was really, really, and still is really into it. So when I when I read that about him and, and learned that about him, it's not surprising that he wrote the screenplay for Ghostbusters. So going back to that screenplay, he wrote the screenplay. Uh, Ivan Reitman read it. Uh, the original version of Ghostbusters, the screenplay anyway, was uh, really leaned into the supernatural elements of it. Was a very long screenplay, so it would have been probably you know two two and a half hour film that kind of went in different dimensions and things like that. So Ivan Reitman, to his credit, and which is why the success of Ghostbusters is is really due to a bunch of people, like every movie is. But really, Ivan Reitman had the vision. He saw. What he loved about the story was the, the main part of it, which was people that are hired to get rid of ghosts. And he felt that that was a basically a surefire premise that would be successful. But it's kind of the more fantastical elements of it, the more supernatural elements, he wanted to tone that down. So he had the great idea to team Ackroyd with Harold Ramis. So, of course, Harold Ramis came out of Lampoon also in the 70s, was a, was at Second City, became a writer-director, and obviously he directed Caddyshack, which of course is another classic comedy of the uh, 80s, came out in 1980, which starred Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, um, and uh, that's a classic in its own, Ted Knight. And uh, he teamed up, a Reitman teamed up, Ramis and Ackroyd to punt, to work on the script. And I think Reitman rightfully understood that Ramis would help kind of take that 
really good original story of people going after ghosts and getting paid for it as a business and kind of grounded a little bit and kind of shave off some of the more outlandish elements of the screenplay to form the screenplay that would eventually become the Ghostbusters film. Uh, so I think Harold Ramis's contribution, of course, is is not only as a as a co-screenwriter and shaping the screenplay into shape, uh, along with Dan Aykroyd, but of course, you know, being a great actor that he was playing Egon in the film, uh, one of the best characters in Ghostbusters. And uh, so he's uh, does double duty there and really contributing to the success of that film. And I think for me, the film came out, I was 14 when the film came out. So being an 80s kid, obviously, I was right in the prime demographic for Ghostbusters. And I think what was brilliant about that film, a bunch of things. One, it didn't take itself too seriously, but was serious enough that the ghost and supernatural elements. Now, I wouldn't say it was scary like a horror movie, but at least it gave you some stakes where it was serious enough where you didn't go, this is ridiculous. And I think for, for a movie like that, that's really tough to do. But what I love about it is it struck that balance really well. And that's why I think Bill Murray's is fantastic in Ghostbusters because um, he basically was the smart ass kind of winking and kind of just basically going, what is this is ridiculous going through the whole film as, as the events get more and more serious. But again, I don't want to get too deep into that because then it ends up being a review of Ghostbusters and which I will do on another program. But Obviously, Ghostbusters was a huge, huge hit. Uh, you know, one of the best uh, reviewed and highest box office films of that year. So he he directed several films after that. Uh, just going quickly through them. Twins, which came out in 1988 with Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, which I thought was hilarious. Ivan Reitman became known, I think, as the director of high concept comedies. He had another film called Junior, a, reuni a, reuni a reunited Schwarzenegger and DeVito, where Schwarzenegger played a man that gets pregnant. I don't think that's as successful as Twins was to me anyway. It was an okay movie, but I don't think it was great. And then what I want to bring up real quick, and I won't get into a review of that either, but if you have not seen the film Dave, I would highly recommend it. And I will review that one on another podcast too. But uh, if you don't know it, Dave stars Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, Ben Kingsley. So the, the quick plot of it is, is Kevin Klein is the president and he plays two roles here. He's the president of the United States that ends up, I believe, having a stroke and is incapacitated. So they, the government comes up with an idea to replace him with someone that looks just like him. And that's the main character, Dave. So he, they slide him in to just to pretend to be the president. So nobody knows that something happened to the real president. And he starts to govern in a way that's completely different than the regular president. So the regular president is kind of an ass. And Dave is very kind, very empathetic. And uh, Sigourney Weaver plays the first lady. And uh, really, it's a really good, it's funny, and it's heartwarming. And that's really what Ivan Redman was really good at, having uh, a comedy with heart, but it's still very, very funny. So I would highly recommend uh, Dave. Uh, so again, what's kind of uh, sad is, uh, you know, upon hearing about Ivan Redman's death, uh, of course, Late last year, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife was released, which was uh, co-written and directed by Ivan's son, Jason Reitman, and uh, which I which I liked a lot. And that's another film that I've seen uh, that I have not reviewed for the podcast, and I may do that since I think it's coming out on digital. But uh, that movie kind of now has some extra resonance uh, with the death of Ivan Reitman. So, again, uh, sad to, to hear that he passed away. Like I said, a, a giant comedy directing. Like I said, if you most people have seen his films, but if you haven't, like I'd recommend two right off the bat or three right off the bat: uh, Stripes, Ghostbusters, and Dave. Watch those three; I think you'll get a good representation of of 
how good he was as a director. Okay, so we're going to get into uh, my review of The Power of the Dog. So this film is on Netflix. So it is a Oscar-nominated film. The film is written and directed by Jane Campion. Uh, she is best known for her, I think it's 1993. I didn't check the year, but she directed The Piano, uh, which starred Holly Hunter, who won an Academy Award. Also had Harvey Keitel in the film. Uh, that's the only other Campion film I've seen. Uh, and uh, very interesting, very beautifully shot, uh, very interesting story. So this is the first film I've seen of hers since uh, since the piano. So this is a story. Uh, it's a it's funny because they in in things that I've read they call it kind of a revisionist western, and I guess it is a western in the literal sense. The movie takes place in 1925 Montana, so it is set in a western venue. Uh, as I watch this film, I, I don't really consider it a western. I I, I think it's more of a drama that's set in Montana, but you know, like I said, that's just, that's quibbling, but not a big deal. So, and the reason I say that is if you don't, if you're not a fan of Westerns, I wouldn't let that shy you away from this particular film. It's not a Western in that sense, not like, like a Clint Eastwood Western or a John Wayne Western. It's not in that sense uh, of the, of what's usually known as a, as a Western type film. So anyway, like I said, the movie is set in 1925 and uh, the movie opens with uh, the story of uh, two brothers that are uh, ranchers, very wealthy ranchers, uh, Phil Burbank and George Burbank. Phil's played by Benedict Cumberbatch and George is played by Jesse Plemons. So as the movie opens, they are both uh, embarking on a cattle drive. Uh, in the middle of that cattle drive, they stop to rest and they are staying at a boarding house and the boarding house is uh, run by Rose Gordon, who is played by Kirsten Dunst. So George Burbank um, falls in love with Rose, becomes, you know, they talk, they kind of, you know, George is very sympathetic, very, very kind-hearted, very quiet, while Phil is very alpha male, macho, kind of obnoxious, and he's the actual leader of the, of the you know, he leads his brother and he leads all the ranch. So he's basically, you can tell he's the guy that's in charge, even though his brother is the co-owner of this ranch and does a lot of the, the business end of it where George, where, where Phil does a lot of the, the physical labor and the things that are, that are required to be a rancher. So anyway, George uh, falls for Rose and ends up marrying her. Uh, she's a widow with a son. Um, his name is Peter Gordon. He's played by Cody Smith McPhee. So they, uh, so George and Rose get married and go back to the Burbank ranch to live. And Phil is not happy about it at all and does not like Rose at all and is very aggressive about his dislike for her. So basically it's a series of him taunting her. She's learning to play the piano and he taunts her ability to do that. Uh, Phil, the character of Phil uh, Burbank is a complicated character and as the movie progresses uh you see the onions kind of reveal about what his character is kind of what his background is uh what you learn early is that he his idol was bronco billy and uh he was the one that taught them everything about ranching uh their father wasn't available so he he was basically a father figure to to phil he just has almost a godlike reverence for this man uh, you'll see that there's a saddle 
in the ranch that's was his saddle that's you know beautifully preserved and there's a plaque in tribute to him so you you see that he basically reveres him uh like you would your dad or actually even more than that. i think it's almost like a religious experience for phil the way phil portrays it and uh phil is also his character is 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 very intelligent and uh there's a scene where they talk about where he uh he graduated Phi Beta Kappa from college uh, and then, you know, ended up coming back to the ranch and he is just not a kind person. And he not only taunts Rose, but he's always making fun of his brother, calling him stupid, calling him fat, calling him just basically berating his brother uh, pretty much every chance he gets. So he, he's the type of person that's very angry, very in charge, but doesn't and doesn't like anything in his world disrupted. And of course, Rose represents a huge disruption. Now, Rose's son, uh, like I said, comes to stay after he goes to school. So he's going to school to learn to be a doctor. So when uh, he comes home, that's Peter Gordon. When Peter comes home, he is subjected to the taunting and uh, um, ridicule of, of Phil and Phil's uh, workers at the ranch. Uh, um, George is, uh, or excuse me, Peter is uh, kind of, very slight, kind of effeminate in his ways. And, and of course, Phil seizes on that to, to kind of taunt him and make fun of him. So as Rose is enduring this, this uh, kind of torment, uh, emotional and verbal torment from Phil, uh, she starts to drink and, and really become an alcoholic. And you kind of see the downward spiral uh, of her character as the movie progresses. So that's the main crux of the story. Uh, so a couple of things I want to comment on. The film is beautifully shot. So, like I said, it's set in 1925, Montana. The film was shot in Campion's native New Zealand. And uh, it's kind of like with uh, Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. And and just there's so much beautiful countryside, obviously, in 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 New Zealand. So it's 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 a great stand in for Montana. It's beautifully shot. The cinematography is is phenomenal. Uh the scene the the scene with the cattle driver early in the film is phenomenal. Uh the scenes of the town just the whole movie is shot beautifully and uh evokes that time, you know, it's 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 a it's well well done and well shot. And with Campion, like I said, I've I've seen the piano and one of the one of the characteristics of that film as well. It's beautifully shot, beautiful to look at. Uh, her compositions in each frame are, are just beautifully done. So she's a visual artist uh, in that respect. And secondly, the performances are good, really, really good. So we'll start with Benedict, Cum Benedict Cumberbatch's Phil Burbank. You know, he's fantastic. I know if you know him, you know him from, of course, now for Doctor Strange in the Marvel Universe. Of course, he starred in the in the Sherlock television series. Uh, and he's been in a bunch of films. He's fantastic in this movie. He's just, uh, uh, he's an ass and he's, and he does a great job playing it. And he, you can, he's just basically irascible and, and obnoxious and, and it's, and, but plays, like I said, the great thing about, I think the performance and which is why I'm sure, you know, he was nominated for best actor is just the layers of the character. As you start to find out more about Phil and kind of get an idea of where some of that anger, rage, whatever you want to call it, comes from. And as that is revealed slowly uh, as the film goes, uh, it's uh, it's really, it's a great performance. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is very good as well as Rose. And uh, Cody Smith McPhee as Peter is, is really good as the son as well because 
as this the son you know he lost his father you know he's basically been taking care of his mother and he he feels his job is to protect his mother and obviously when he comes home to see what's happening what he kind of does as a character to try to protect her is 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 well done as well i don't want to give too much away about that but Jesse Plemons as George Burbeck. So I will say this. He's fine in the movie. I'm a huge fan of Plemons from Breaking Bad. So if you know him, he was on Breaking Bad. And uh, he was fantastic there. And I know he's going to be in the Killers of the Flower Moon film next year. He's actually the star of it. Uh, that's the next Martin Scorsese film that's shooting or shooting now, I think, or maybe done. But it's coming out next year. That's being shot for Apple. So uh, I can't wait to see him in that. I read the book for that. I read the the, uh, the nonfiction novel. It's fantastic about the Osage murders. Um, it's a fantastic book. So I'm looking forward to that film a lot. And he's a star of that film. And here he's okay. Now, the thing that's interesting is uh, all the major actors were nominated. So Cumberbatch was nominated for Best Actor. Uh, Kirsten Dunst for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Cody Smith-McPhee for Best Supporting Actor. And so is Jesse Plemons for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, that one I don't understand. I don't understand that being an Oscar-nominated performance. He's fine in the movie, but the thing is, he's gone for long stretches in the film, and I thought his performance was the least, his character was the least interesting character of the other of the four main characters. Um, I think it was kind of there to fulfill the plot. Divide. I, I, didn't, I didn't think he had much to do there. Not, not that he's bad, it's just I didn't think it was a phenomenal performance. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's his fault. I don't think he's given much to do other than kind of be the, the counterpoint to Phil, who's obnoxious. He's just basically the opposite, just caring, uh, kind of someone that's empathetic, kind of just the opposite. So uh, it's tough when you have a, when you have a showier, you know, bigger performance uh, for Cumberbatch as Phil uh, to really stand out. But I do think Dunst and, um, and McPhee do great, uh, great work here, great acting. So all around, they were fantastic and, and definitely deserve the Oscar nominations. So again, uh, it's a very, uh, like I said, it's a, it, the, the film moves quickly. I, I loved it. I was very engrossed by it. Um, I was concerned going into it because like I said, having seen the piano, I liked the piano um, and I loved Holly Hunter in it. Uh, I think I felt, and I saw this movie in the, in the mid nineties. So it's, it's been a long time and, and I haven't rewatched it. Uh, I think I didn't love it as much as the critics loved it. Uh, like I said, Holly Hunter was fantastic. Kytel was really good. And then, of course, you had a young Anna Paquin in that film as well. But I was concerned if it was going to be the same, her her style of filmmaking. I don't know if it would connect with me uh, in a way that I thought would be enjoyable or that I would love. Uh, but uh, all those all those issues were dispelled upon watching this movie. I was riveted. It was really well done. Uh, like I said, the acting was fantastic. The screenplay I thought was really good. I know it's based on a novel. Uh, but... Uh, it was just a good drama with great acting in it. And this has become a theme of this particular podcast. Uh, I mentioned it, you know, I keep mentioning it because it's something that I think it's important and I, I'm just going to make it quick here. It is great to watch movies and this is where streaming comes in to play. I know some people don't like it. You know, I have my mixed feelings on streaming, but it, it's been a benefit to me in the sense that it's, that's become a home for dramas that are not the the big popcorn movies which i love as well but uh it's 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 great and kind of refreshing and i'm glad that I, I enjoyed this movie as much as i did because like i said i think films you know the film world needs more of these kind of you know r-rated adult dramas that tell different types of stories 
uh, that you don't uh, normally see in the theaters anymore, which you used to kind of see more frequently. Uh, I would even say 20 years ago, 30 years ago into the 80s and definitely back into the 70s where you have the great character dramas and kind of movies that were offbeat and movies that were uh, not quote unquote mainstream that would tell great stories and would be fantastic. So it's 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 great to see a movie like that. I'm very happy I, I, I enjoyed this one as well. So again, that's Power, The Power of the Dog, written and directed by Jane Campion. I am going to give it on my Van Gogh scale. I'm going to give it four Van Goghs out of five. So on that scale, I definitely recommend you watch it. I think you will enjoy it a lot. Uh, the film is available uh, right now on Netflix. It's a Netflix film, so it'll be there, you know, perpetually. So you can see it whenever uh, you're, you know, you have a chance to see it. I would highly recommend it. Like I said, if you're a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch, it's a great performance. Uh, like I said, the performances are great. The movie is beautifully shot. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it. So uh, definitely check it out. So The Power of the Dog, uh, I give four of them goes out of five. And if you haven't checked out my episode that's up now, which is on Nightmare, uh, Nightmare Alley, check that out, the Guillermo del Toro film. I was a big fan of that movie, so check out my review. You'll, you'll see what I thought about that. Uh, again, uh, this is the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I am the host of the show. I discuss movies new and old. And again, uh, I would uh, encourage you, if you wouldn't mind, if you're a fan of the show, please follow me on social media at Bend Your Ear Pod on Twitter. That's also the Instagram handle. That's also the handle for Twitch as well. If you want to email the show, any suggestions about the show, thoughts, feedback, movies you'd like me to review, um, you can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, like I said, this show available, the audio version is available wherever you get your podcast. So you can get it again on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Podbean, and Amazon Music. All episodes of this show are available on the website. So you can always go there anytime and download any of the episodes all the way back to the first one. The website is bendyourearpodcast.com. Dot, or excuse me, let me bend your ear.com. Sorry. Again, that's let me bend your ear.com is the website. So you'll have all the audio episodes there. And now that I do the video component, I've started to upload the video uh, links to the YouTube channel. So you can see these uh, on video if you want to, uh, if you prefer the video presentation of the podcast. So again, uh, that's on the website as well. That's not all the way back to episode one, but the last five or six, then going forward, uh, all the video links will be on the website as well. So again, I want to thank you for listening. I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. Uh, again, uh, my review of Power of the Dog, The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion. Four Van goes out of five. And again, I look forward to seeing you guys on social media. Uh, give me your thoughts on the podcast. I want to thank you. Uh, for you regular listeners out there, I really appreciate you coming back to continue to listen. I, I really appreciate that. I want to let you know that. And anyone that's checking out the podcast for the first time, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you continue to listen and more so I hope you can you recommend the show to a friend. So again, thank you all for listening. This is the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Take care.